For the first time in 16 years, the U.S. women are at the top of the world. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsev, who is on the road in Dallas. And Ivis, man, what a perfect way to cap off the 4th of July weekend. The U.S. women beating Japan. Unbelievable. Uh, crazy weekend. I, I tell you, I was a little worried that I would miss the game because of my flight. I was flying out, flying down here to Dallas uh, on Sunday evening. And uh, when they when they scored the four goals in the first 16 minutes, I kind of knew I wouldn't miss anything crazy at the end at that point. But uh, still, unbelievable performance. But pretty good weekend, man. Pretty good weekend. Fourth of July. I got a chance to relax a little bit. There was obviously a ton of soccer. You had the Copa America final, yes. which, which was crazy intense. Uh, you had the MLS uh, action. You had NASL coming back. So there was plenty on the plate. But obviously the headliner, the 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 marquee event of the weekend was the U.S. women. We also forgot the U.S. men defeating Guatemala on Friday. I mean, it was... That seems like 100 years ago, man. I know. It so, kind of does. Yeah, I mean, I guess we do, we, we do need to talk about that this show since we, we haven't had a show since then. But, uh, yeah, man, from Friday, from Friday to today, talk about just three days of... Uh, of crazy soccer action. Yeah. Plenty to talk about. No, definitely. Definitely. Uh, what did you do on the fourth real quick? Nothing, man. Took it easy. Took the kids to the movies. We saw, what did we see? Terminator Genesis. And, was uh, that good? It was all right. It was all right. I mean, you know, it, it, there's only so many ways you can kind of beat that horse. And, and they, they definitely tried to spin it a different way. It was a little bit of a convoluted uh, plot, but it was all right. It was all right. So. Yeah. All right. I'm still on the fence about that. Oh, about watching it? Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, the it's first Terminator was so good. They 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 gave me nightmares as a kid growing up. Man, all the I remember bodies and all I that. Feel like, oh. I feel like we had this conversation, but I saw that in the movies when I was like nine. I, and it was that's violent, dude. It At was that pretty time, intense. Yeah. It was pretty intense. It was like it might have even been. It was one. Of, I saw some pretty hardcore movies when all I was right. younger. All right, well, hold on. Let me, let me pause the movie talk, Ivis, because we're losing everyone. Everyone came here to listen to us talk about soccer. Oh, we want to hear movie reviews. Yeah, not, not movie reviews. But as we said, U.S. women uh, wrapping up what was an awesome weekend, defeating Japan 5-2, uh, to two, and Carly Lloyd. I mean, you talk about a clutch player, Ivis. Jersey. Once again, Carly Lloyd. I mean, it just seems like she can check out, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, Carly, big game. Need you to score a couple goals right here. I mean, dude, she is unstoppable in big games. It, it, it's what she does, man. It's, hey, listen, it's what we do in Jersey. We win titles. We do it. We do it big in Jersey. No, but credit to her. She's a big game player. She's been that way through her career. When you think about two Olympic gold medal match winners in her career, the one thing that she hadn't had yet in her career was that that uh, World Cup title, and she added that. And did she add it? She added it in the most emphatic fashion imaginable, a hat trick in in like a blink of an eye. And then how about the third goal? Shot she shot it from the midfield stripe, caught the goalkeeper off the line, hit it off the inside of the left post. I mean, what a dream sequence! And four goals in the first 16 minutes. Tobin Heath, and then 16 minutes in, and it's New Jersey four, Japan zero. I just like to point that out. You know, like you know, you know, I always got to point out the Jersey accomplishment. Yes, yes, you did. But uh, but yeah, no, it was unbelievable. Uh, uh, no, but listen, man, they, they, it, it was talking. I mean. You would have thought the game was in the U.S. with the crowd, right? Oh, the I crowd mean, the was American awesome. Fans. I mean, but you kind of knew that, though. No, of course. Of course. I, I mean, I, I was definitely expecting – I mean, you're definitely expecting a massive pro-U.S. crowd. Of course. It felt like – I thought it was like North Seattle. I think that I think they renamed Vancouver for a day. Oh, man. Look at – <laughs> <but, laughs> I'm just think, saying. I don't think Vancouver people are like that. Right. Right. 
don't know if yeah. So anyway, it was great. It was unbelievable, perfect dream scenario. Japan tried to score a few goals to kind of make it interesting, but the U.S. were never was never in trouble, and uh, and they capped this tournament in amazing fashion. When you think about how the group stage, they just mm-hmm. you know it was a little lackluster. I mean, even though they got results. They didn't play to the level that that people expected, but guess what, man? They brought that. They found that level when it mattered most, and and that's in the knockout rounds, especially in the semifinal and the final. And they left little doubt that they they are absolutely a deserving champion with these two games that they closed out with. I don't want to hear about red cards that should have been or any any of that stuff. That you know what? At the end of the day, the U.S. deserved this title, and they and they showed it on Sunday. And it's all about peaking at the right time. And that's what the U.S. did. I mean, once they beat China, that's when things really started to work out for them. They go into Germany, take care of business there. And he definitely felt that sense in Japan, against Japan. And the one thing, I guess, when, when you look at Carly Lloyd really heating up, I mean, she did have three goals in this game uh, in the final, but she had three goals leading up into the final. I mean, goal in each game against China, against Germany, against Colombia. I and mean, she was leading into this, I mean, on fire. And for her, I mean, her generation, I mean, her, Abby Wambach, Hope Solo, I mean, it's a, lot of, it's a lot of redemption for all the players who've been there and just that World Cup title eluded them. It's good to see a lot of these players finally being able to achieve that one thing that they were never able to get. Right. I mean, credit to them. Definitely credit to Carly Lloyd. Uh, the, the person I definitely feel deserves some credit is, is, is Jill Ellis. You know, she took a lot of heat uh, in the group stages uh, for, for, you know, the team not performing as well as, as people had hoped, and and to her credit, she made some adjustments and and found the right combination. Uh, and you can definitely argue that in those mm-hmm. early matches, uh, it, things weren't working that well. And I think she was, you know, reasonable enough to know and smart enough to know what wasn't working and what needed to work. And I really think she did she she did what she needed to do as far as setting up the lineup so Carly Lloyd could do what she does. And 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 with Lloyd knowing that she had that freedom. Uh, to really get into the attack, I mean, she flourished, and and you know mm-hmm. it wasn't an easy decision on Jalelis's part to sit Abby Wambach and to not play and not to start Sydney Larue down the stretch. I mean, being obviously those two high-profile players, but you know what? She put the right lineup out there for those last, especially these last two matches. These all their their top performances, and credit to her for finding that combination that could get the most out of this group. Well, I mean, especially what about the performance from Morgan Bryan over the last couple of matches? I mean, her her awesome surprise role with this U.S. women's team, I mean, that's what really helped out uh, with the performance of Carly Lloyd and how she did. I mean, Morgan Bryan was an outstanding midfielder. The one thing I have is, I mean, throughout the tournament, we talked about this, though. I mean, the back line, yes, they, the, the streak did come to an end. They tied Germany for, fi- for 544 consecutive minutes without a goal, but... I mean, dude, this back line, I mean, this was the backbone of this team. They were outstanding throughout the entire tournament. Right. I mean, no question. And look, Julie, Julie Johnson was a big breakout star. She had her issues in the last couple games. You know, you won't deny that. But be- how about Becky Sauerbrunn? Now, Julie Johnson was getting a lot of the headlines throughout the tournament, and rightfully so. She had some big matches, but I don't think there was anybody on this team as consistent from the opening whistle of the first game to the very end of the tournament. Sauerbrunn was a rock. She was absolutely steady. She, I mean, she, did, she didn't make any big mistakes. She didn't make many mistakes at all. And she just, when you have someone like that that is that reliable and that stabilizing a force, uh, especially when you had a young player like Julie Johnson in there, you needed Sauerbrunn to be that leader, especially now that she had to kind of pick up the, 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 the mantle that, that Christy, Christy Rampone left by not being in the lineup anymore. Rampone was the leader of the U.S. defense for so long, and and credit to Sauerbrunn. I don't know if she's going to get 
the credit that she deserves, but I'll, I'll say, man, that for me, she deserves a ton of credit. You know, one thing for this team, Ivis, is that over the next few months, over the next year, you're going to definitely see a lot of changes with this. You're going to see some of these older players step down. You're going to have to see some of these younger players step up. Um, I mean, look, the next World Cup, there's going to be a lot of players on this roster that we're not going to see at the next one, and it's going to be interesting to see how this team really develops going forward. No, no question. Uh, it, it is a passing of the torch. Uh, you are going to see a lot of the veterans step away. Obviously, Abby Wambach's one. Christy Rampone, Shannon Box, quite a few that are going to step aside. But there's a lot of talent coming up. A lot of young, yeah, a lot of young talent. Uh, think about that that U.S. women's team, the under 20 team, that won the World Cup uh, just was it three years ago. So a lot, a lot of the players on that team, Julie Johnson being one of them. So, Julie Johnson was the captain of that team, right? So I mean that you know that the the nucleus of that team should should kind of take shape and be a big part of this. You have a lot of players who are pretty young. I mean, Alex Morgan isn't exactly old. I mean, she's pretty young. You have her. You have Kristen Press, who's who's definitely a star in the making. Uh, there's so much talent here. Morgan Bryan. I mean, they, they, there's... Megan Rapinoe. Of, Megan Rapinoe. Uh, I mean, yeah, she's, she's a little older, be, but I mean, she'll still be there. Yeah, I mean, she she's a little older, but I think, I mean, I, think, I don't think this team's going anywhere. I think this team's going to be right there. But you have to say that the... Even though it might not have looked at in the semis in the in the final, particularly in the final, but I think the talent gap is closing uh, around the world on in women's soccer, and it's good. It's a good thing. The competition is good. Uh, having more countries be competitive is very good for the sport. And you know, we, we talk a lot about how you know this team, this first team to win it since the '99 team, and I can remember the '99 World Cup. You know, I covered the, the '99 Women's World Cup, some of it, and uh, I can remember there was maybe three teams that were worth watching back then. You know, and uh, now, I mean, when you think, when you looked at this tournament, how many teams came out of nowhere? Yeah. How many teams impressed and really caught your eye that maybe in the past you wouldn't have even thought of, like Nigeria's women or Colombia's women? I mean, th- there were so many Columbia teams women, like that. Colombia women are awesome to watch. They, right. so, they yeah, were so the, lots of flair with the ball. It was fun. Yeah. So, I mean, it was great. I mean, Australia's women played well. The Netherlands, you know, England women played well. England, France. England women. Who was even talking about the England women no. before this tournament? And now they walk away third place. They're the darlings of the tournament. They overcame the tragic semifinal goal. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's great. It's great to see. And hopefully this builds some momentum in the sport and it can it can it can catch on. In a way that it really didn't the last time around. And, and in 99, you know, when they won the World Cup in 99, there was that talk of, okay, is this going to be what helps solidify the sport professionally? And it never really did. You know, we've had the revolving door of professional leagues um, to this day. And, and even today, like the NWSL is not exactly killing it financially. But we'll see what kind of impact this has. We saw the support that the team had throughout the tournament, the buzz that built from it. So hopefully that carries over into the professional league and hopefully we can have you know more and more opportunities for these women to play professionally and to to build their craft and to grow the game because i think we saw this tournament that it can appeal to a broader audience i mean you saw this wasn't just you know the female contingent i mean there were a lot of men following it there were more there were absolutely more men following it this time around than 16 years ago no and like not even close i mean 16 years ago uh, most men could could care less about the Women's World Cup. I mean, there's no well, other way to I'm, well, I'm sure they tuned in for the final, but leading up to it, probably not. Yeah, no, there was nowhere near... I mean, the final, the, uh, I think the final, like, 60 million... I think 60 million people watched that final. I think. Maybe making that number up, but I know it was, a, like, Super Bowl number. 
it was. It, I mean, a lot of people watched that game. Obviously, that was a that that team was was built up quite a bit. Um, but I'm talking about the tournament this time around. The tournament was a big story. In '99, the U.S. women were the story. They were like the only story. I mean, you. Yes, there were, there were. You know, China was a good team, and Norway was was a good team, and Brazil had a good team. But n- none, like the U.S. was the store, the only story in '99. This time around, you had so many other stories. You had the German team, you had the French team, uh, it, it, you know, the Canadian team. I mean, we've already forgotten. I mean, the the Canadians, you know, they lost in the quarters, and they kind of had become an afterthought. But coming into this tournament, they 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 were supposed to carry the 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 interest and support of the home fans and i think they did that to a degree in the group stages obviously so i just think that's what separated this world cup from past world cups and definitely from the 99 world cup and i know some people want to try to compare the 99 women u.s team to now and 16 years man it's a long time you like it's not even like what's the point there's no point in anybody trying to compare the two teams is it's it's two different eras I mean, he's, he's most a lot of the kid, a lot of the players on this current team were in like elementary school, if that. When uh, you know, me and him and, and Julie Foudy and, and Brandy Chastain when they won in '99. So there's no point in comparing. Just enjoy the fact that the U.S. has added another World Cup and another star to the crest. Um, you know, one player we didn't talk about, uh, Hope Solo. She's 33, man. Does she play in the next World Cup at 37? She didn't have a lot to do this tournament. That's what I'm I mean, saying. She, she, like, <laughs> I think Australia, the Australia game, she she had, she had to step up. But I tell you what, I mean, I, I, if they had another goalie in in goal this tournament, which would would they have not won? I think they would have won anyway. But uh, not to take anything away from her, but I, I think I mean, she age, still makes big staves. I mean, she can. She's still good. I mean, I'm not saying she's not good, but you know, there was obviously all the controversy, and you know, they, you can argue, oh, but then by sticking by her, you know, did that. You know, turn some people off. Who knows? But anyway, at this point, she's I mean, she's still at the top of her game. So it's easy to see her sticking around for four years. I mean, you you know, you got to think it'd be tough to imagine. I mean, there's no one coming up that you can think of that's like a a young goalkeeping prospect. That's that clear cut kind of like the you know, that's someone who stands out and looks like, yeah, that they look like they're going to be a starter. There's no one like that yet. So probably is going to be Hope Solo. In four years, assuming she can get her to keep, you know, stay out of trouble. I mean, it has to be said. I don't think it's out of line to say that. And if, you know, she can avoid injury. So if she can do those things, I think she'll be, be around in four years. And Ivis, if you're looking to support the U.S. women's national team, especially with, I think they're not going to be on a 10-city tour throughout the U.S. Hopefully they come to Phoenix, just saying. But Ivis, if you're looking to support them, you can by going to SoccerLoco.com. They're selling... Um, everything you need for U.S. women. You can get replica jerseys. They're selling world championship T-shirts, SoccerLoco.com. You get 10% off your entire order if you enter an SBI 10. And I was, like I said, man, I think it's finally time for you to buy a U.S. women's jersey. They won the World Cup. you got to buy one. Well, two things here. First of all, I don't know if they make my size. I'm a big dude, so I need a 3X. Uh, and if I'm gonna get a if I get a U.S. women's jersey, it's gonna absolutely be a Carly Lloyd jersey because she's from Jersey. She's Jersey. I won't feel so bad about it because I don't really. I mean, I, I cover the women somewhat, but not really. So it's not. I wouldn't feel like a conflict there by wearing it. Actually, who am I kidding? I'm not buying a jersey, but I think it'd be great um, if you you know if you have a someone you want to who likes the team, you want to support them, or you can buy one of these T-shirts. They already have. The the uh, women's national team world champions T-shirts already on sale on, at Soccer Loco. They're pretty sharp. Yeah, they're pretty uh, clean looking, man. Yeah, Nike did not waste any time, man. They had them printed and ready to go. They're all black. 
with the logo yeah, and even go- and even sick. with the it's third sick. star on the crest it, it, the world champions in gold man i got to get i got to get me one of these man uh, I, it's yeah i'm ordering one right now they look good I'm using sbi10 as my code no you get 10% off your order remember everyone that's soccerloco.com 10% off your entire order opportunity for you to buy a woman's jersey anything you want to celebrate the world championship uh after they beat Japan. All right, I was even caught up with all of the World Cup, the U.S. men. We had Major League Soccer Week 18 this past weekend. We had a big surprise in this first match. Seattle Sounders at home. I know it sounds crazy to say surprise, but with the way they've been playing, it is a surprise. Them defeating D.C. United um, 1-0 to on a late goal from Tyrone Mears, who's been having a fantastic season. And for Seattle, this is a huge victory, ending their losing streak. Oh, they needed it. They needed it. No question about it. Three-game losing streak. They're at home. And, and you know, look, D.C., it's never easy traveling cross-country, even if you're the top team in the league points-wise. Uh, so this was a bit, this was a bit of a battle. And uh, credit to Seattle for, for you know, keeping it even, uh, even though they were without – Obviously, they're big guns. Now, Ozzy Alonso did start, so that was obviously a big help for them. Still no uh, Obafemi Martins. Uh, Dempsey's obviously at the Gold Cup. Uh, his suspension has now been served, so he can play when he comes back. But Seattle, I mean, they, they, they had a bit of a makeshift team out there. You had Christian Roldan in the lineup, uh, and then obviously Chad Barrett in your starting lineup. Uh, as far as if you're D.C. United, I don't know if you're going to go too crazy uh, about this loss. And, and they did field a, a strong team there. Uh, they didn't have Sean Franklin, but still, I mean, mo- most of their other top guys are there. Spindola, Kitchen, Boswell. Uh, Bill Hamid did not start, uh, but that's not why they lost. Tyrone Mears, one of the, really, for me, one of the better offseason acquisitions in the league. One of the better foreign players to come in, and you could argue he's been the re- best right back in the league through the first half of the season. So mm-hmm. credit to him. He's stepped right in there for DeAndre Yedlin, who left for Tottenham. And he's, I mean, you could argue he's done even better than Yedlin. And are you allowed to say that? That could be blasphemy. No, listen, defensively, we all know DeAndre Yedlin, when he was in MLS, was still a bit of a liability defensively. Yes. He was great getting getting forward, no question about it. Tyrone Mears is a bit more of a balanced fullback. He's good defensively. He picks his spots when to get forward, and he does a good job of it. He's a pro. He's a season, he's a veteran, right? I mean, he's been around the block. He knows how to play the game, and and mm-hmm. then he and he showed in this game he can also score a goal. And keeping it in the West Coast, the LA Galaxy returned back to their ridiculous scoring ways, defeating Toronto FC four to zero. Robbie Keane in this one had a hat trick, and uh, look for LA Ivis. This is a big victory for Toronto FC. Um, I mean, first game without Michael Bradley, without Josie Altador, it showed a little bit, and uh, in LA, I mean, big victory for them. Uh, what, what else can you say? Absolute blowout win for LA. I know Toronto FC fans will point out the fact that yes, they were missing Michael Bradley and Josie Altador, obviously two of their top players, but LA was also missing players. I mean, Jossie Zardes, Omar Gonzalez, Jaime Pinedo, uh, Steven Gerrard. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, but no, it, it's it's not easy. It's number one, it's not easy to go cross country. Number two, it's not easy to win in L.A. I mean, L.A. is a tough team at home. And number three, yes, they're missing Michael Bradley, their, their, their engine in the middle. Uh, this one got ugly, man. This guy one got ugly pretty quick, and it just shows you, I mean, how good this L.A. team is when they're missing those guys we just mentioned. Uh, Steven Gerrard still isn't, isn't, hasn't started playing yet. They're trying to get Gio DeSantos. Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable, the team that they're putting together. And think about the fact that, you know, I know some people look at it and say, how the heck are they going to fit all these people on their team? Do they have a salary cap? 
what the heck's going on here? No, they don't. The, the LA Galaxy. Come on, don't even well, question that. Well, just well, just to point it out, this was Stefan Ishizaki's last game for LA. He is moving on. It, this is the cost of doing business. This is what happens when you add when you're adding talent. You can't fit it all on your team. This is MLS. There's a salary cap. So they have had to part ways with the Swedish midfielder, who was a very good signing for them. It must be said, he's been a very solid winger for them, uh, very productive. Uh, you know, he it's it's a loss, but at the same time, think about it. They added Sebastian Legette, who's been unbelievable since he's gotten there, just mm. been an absolute threat for them. Uh, and now they're adding Steven Gerrard. So I mean, they're so stacked, and we saw it on this day that they cannot ha- they can be without Omar Gonzalez, Jossie Zardes, Javi Pinedo, and not miss a beat. Now, as far as Toronto goes, I would not get too – if you're a TFC fan, do not get too crazy. It was one game. It's one loss. I mean, they're not the first team to get blown out in L.A. Portland got blown out in L.A. two, uh, two weeks ago, and they're like a point out of the point out of first place in the West. So uh, don't let's not get too crazy with it. TFC, they should be fine. There are some questions about their defense, but this result does not mean there's problems in Toronto. It's those games when they lose at home to weaker opponents, those are the games you have to have questions about. But getting blown out on, on the road when you're missing two of your best guys, yeah, uh, it's it's it, it comes with the territory. It's going to happen. Also, Philadelphia Union got blown out by the Galaxy 5-1 to one <laughs> before Portland Timbers. I mean, everyone's just getting blown out at home in L.A. right now. Automatic everyone. goals. Yeah, Stuff everyone. I mean, the other thing, too, about the Galaxy um, is just also the depth that they have. Just want some of the younger guys, Jose Villarreal, he continues to impress for them. And then you have your players on the LA Galaxy too. Like, oh, we just happen to have Bradford Jamison we can also bring up. LA well, Galaxy, Nacho, man. How about Nacho Maganto, the rookie, coming off the bench and uh, uh, providing an assist at the end of the game there? I mean, they, yeah, they're, I mean, tell me, man. They're, they're, they have they're a really lot of good, depth, a lot. really good judges of, of talent. And, and it's one thing to go sign – Robbie Keane, Steven Gerrard, possibly Gio Dos Santos. And it's another to, you know, find some bargains and find some yeah, guys. Like Dan, who can... like Dan Gargan, for example. Dan Gargan, Brian Rowe, who stepped in in uh, yes. start in goal, I mean, from UCLA. Uh, so, yeah, no, they, they're, they're, they're doing what they do. It's the LA Galaxy. It happens every year. Uh, you can almost argue that maybe they're peaking a little early for their for, for what they usually do, but uh, <laughs> they're going to be there in the end, man. They're going to be one of the top teams. And, and if they if they get... Gio Dos Santos, I mean, put write it down, put it in the book. They will be the favorites to win it all. Um, speaking of teams trying to also lay that claim, I have his Portland Timbers. They defeated the San Jose Earthquakes one to zero on a late goal from Jack Jewsbury, who scored in stoppage time on a crazy angle. And uh, Portland man, I just dude, they are playing great soccer right now in their last. Uh, seven matches. They have six wins in the last seven matches. I mean, Portland just once again, man, just taking care of business. They keep climbing. Uh, I mean, right now they're in third place. They're tied for third with LA. They have two games in hand on LA, and they're exactly one point behind Seattle and Vancouver. And and you and you want to tip your cap to the Cascadia teams, who are currently you know stacked at the top of the Western Conference standings, but Portland. Uh, they do it again. Obviously, San Jose is a tough team, man. They, they make every game a tough game, every game a battle. Uh, but for Portland to, to come through and get that win. And Jack Jewsbury. How about Jack Jewsbury? Comes in, uh, re- re- replaces Alvis Powell, who's uh, who's obviously at the at the Gold Cup, steps in, scores a goal, the old-timer, showing he's still got something left in the tank. And uh, Portland, man, they continue to roll. Well, Portland, I mean, results like this also help stamp the fact that I mean, they're a team on the rise. And you could look at a couple wins in a row and say, okay, you know, they got hot. But, but just, the thing with Portland, I mean, good teams find ways to win. And right now, 
Portland is finding ways to win. It's just been impressive, man. The job that Caleb Porter and just the whole Portland team has done so far this season. It's, it, it's they just, find it's ways to win even when around. they don't play their best. That's something that needs to be said. Yes, yes. I wouldn't I say, say yeah, it, good it, teams it, find ways to win no matter what, right. even in, in yeah. a game. And, and they, well, they've had some games. Look, some of these games, like you said, they've won 6-7, which is a pretty damn impressive streak. The only loss in that was the 5-0 to L.A. But uh, some of these games were ugly. Some of these games were grinded out uh, uh, games that, you know, you had to really fight for the result. And and that's the thing that, that I, th- I think when Caleb Porter first took over the team, uh, when he first became coach, I think he had some grandiose ideas about what he wanted to do. And he really wanted to, to you know, focus on possession and try in the pretty side of things. And I think he learned really quickly that first year that, you know what? <laughs> that, that, you're not going to win that way. You, you, you got you to gotta grind out some results in this league. And, and now we see that from mm-hmm. this team. Yes, they can put together some attractive soccer at times, but they can also play the ugly games and get the ugly wins. And that's what they're doing now. They're starting to rack up the points. Uh, they have Philly up next. They're going to play Philly a game. You know, you can argue they should win. But then in two weeks, July 18th, Portland at Vancouver – that is going to be a battle. Looking forward to that one. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Who I, it's in. It's going to be at, at Providence Park, and that one. That's going to be a match you don't want to miss. And the Columbus Crew defeated the New York Red Bulls two to one, overcoming a early Red Bulls goal. Ethan Finley, who's been lights out this season, continues to impress every single week. Scores a brace in this one, both assists uh, from Kai Kamara. And uh, for the Crew, I mean, this is a big victory over New York. No, they needed it. There's no other way to say it. This team needed a win. They they needed to to you know start showing the the quality that that we we expected them to have coming into this year. And the two guys who stepped up for them, obviously, uh, Kamara and Finley. Kamara's the leading scorer in the league. Finley's the leading assist man in the league. They reverse roles in this game. Finley scores two. And I mean, we're in the we're about to start the Gold Cup. U.S. has its team in place already. So we're gonna have to wait a while to see it, but I, I gotta say, if Jurgen Klinsmann isn't isn't starting to notice or pay attention to Ethan Finley, something's wrong here. Because this kid, this guy is playing some, he's playing some of the best soccer in the league, and he's playing it as a, as a winger. Which let's face it, there aren't a ton of great wingers in the American player pool. So if I'm Jurgen Klinsmann, I'm looking at this guy come September, whenever the next friendlies are. I know it's supposed to be September. You need to take a look at this guy because he is playing very well at a position where there just isn't a lot to choose from in the pool. So anyway, as far as the crew goes, uh, they grinded it out. It was a tough win. I mean, the Red Bulls, you could argue, played uh, – they could have they deserved the draw. I mean, it could have easily been a draw when you look at the stats of this game. But once again, they, I think it cost them their, their fullback situation. Uh, you know, and Kamar Lawrence was there. He played. Um, but I think they missed Chris Duvall, obviously, who's out with a broken leg. Huge loss for the Red Bulls, um, a guy who the, is not going to be easy for them to replace, especially now that Kamal Lawrence is going to the Gold Cup. But uh, uh, credit to the crew, man. They, they needed this one, and they got it. And we'll see if this this starts to turn things around for them uh, in the East because, again, the East you can have a big slump in the East. And, and what do you know? Columbus gets a win, and all of a sudden they're in second place in the Eastern Conference. Um, just want to point out what you said about Ethan Finley. In his last 47 matches, he has 16 goals and 17 assists. I mean, dude, the, the guy's been playing. You're right, man. He, he should be on Newton Klinsman's radar. He's guy. He has to be. I mean, he has to be. I mean, it, it's it, and it's crazy. As far as the crew goes, all of a sudden, I mean, one second they're on a what was their winless streak? They were on a six match winless streak, and what do you know? All of a sudden, they're on a four match unbeaten streak, and uh, they're starting to wake up. And now they got some games. Look at the, their next slate of games. Listen to this this uh, schedule of games for Columbus. They have Montreal. 
Chicago, and then Chicago again. That's, I mean, they could get healthy real quick with that run of game. So we'll see if uh, Berhalter's team can get it together. And now that Will Trapp's working his way back, tell you, man, this crew team's about to go on. A, for me, I think they're going to go on a hot streak right now. You talk about teams on a hot streak, you couldn't say that this team possibly might be on one. New York City FC defeats the Montreal Impact 2-1. to one. This is New York's now fourth win in the last five matches. Uh, Villa has a brace in this one. And for New York, I mean, I mean great result for them. I mean, great bounce-back victory after losing to York, losing to the Red Bulls last week, defeating Montreal this week. I mean, this is a great result. No, no no doubt, no doubt. And uh, think about it. I mean, they're, they're about to get Frank Lampard, who's already begun training with the team. They're eventually going to get Andrea Pirlo once that gets uh, announced and once they all, all the they cross the T's and dot the I's and they make the deal happen. He will be there end of the year. I mean, end of the year, end of the month. And uh, it, it's you know what things are looking up for that team. I mean, they think you know when they they got smoked at home by the Red Bulls, it wasn't looking too good. But as we said then, they got the reinforcements coming, and for them to actually put this run of results together before they get the reinforcements. I mean that sets them up pretty nice right now because right now they're out they're seventh place they're out of the playoff places, but they're 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 close enough to now have uh, the, the the reinforcements to come in and they're gonna they're gonna rack up points I'm telling you once they have Pirlo, once they have Lampard, once they have Iraola, who I gotta say people need to talk about him more because you're you're getting a starting defender for a good La Liga team. Athletic Bilbao is a very good team in La Liga. And he was a starter there for years. Now he pl- you plug him into that defense, it's going to make a major impact there. So for me, NYCFC is in primed position now uh, to be a playoff team in year one. Where does this put the Montreal impact, though? I mean, for a while, we're trying to think, okay, hey, they are a good team. But I mean, just like that, I was, uh, I mean, the last three matches, two losses and a draw, it's, it's you know, Montreal maybe not, they may not be what we kind of thought they were about a month ago. Yeah, I gotta say, I mean, this run of games when you, when, when we were, if you know, we were obviously the Toronto losses. You know, Toronto's tough. Toronto's a tough team, but you go to Philly. You could argue, okay, it was an ugly game. It was a rainstorm. If the conditions were better, maybe they win that game. But this game right here, NYCFC, without Lampard, without Pirlo, without the reinforcements, they have Via, but they, you know, they're a team that if you're Montreal, you should be able to beat. And they didn't get it done, and and it's it's just going to make these next these next games that much tougher. I mean, think, look, look at this run of games. They have a, a, a surging Columbus next, which won't be easy. They have Sporting KC, one of the hottest teams in the league, and then they have Seattle, who by then, by July twenty fifth, probably have you know, if knock on wood, they'll have Obafemi Martins back. That's not going to be an easy one. So, Frank, Frank, things are not getting any easier for Frank Klopas, and and uh, you know they're going to need some wins pretty soon. And that Columbus game is looking really important for them. Uh, SC Dallas all over New England Revolution. Seems like everyone's beating New England nowadays. New England four-match losing streak. For SC Dallas, I mean, this is the second win uh, in a row. Mauro Diaz with the goal in this one. Fabian Castillo, when those guys score, you know, it's an SC Dallas victory. And uh, for them, it looks like they're p- potentially turning the page on us with, on what has been um, a little bit of a tough stretch for them over the past uh, month and a half. Well, look, they got healthy against a couple of struggling teams. There's no other way to say it. They beat a Houston team that's not playing well. They beat a New England team that's not playing well. And that's to take, not to take anything away from them. You still have to get the points. You still have to score the goals. You still have to defend. And that's what they've done. They've, they've, they've turned to Castillo and, and 
and Diaz, their lead attackers, and those guys have stepped up. And also their defense is playing well. Their defense, Dan Kennedy and Cole, uh, they've pitched two shutouts in a row now. And, and you know, you need some momentum. They're starting to get that momentum. And it comes just in time because, you know, they got some tough games coming up. They, they got Orlando City, which is I think is going to be a good test for them. And then after that, you're talking D.C. and Portland back-to-back. That's two big games for them. So they're, they're heating up at the right time. And uh, I really want to see – We'll see how legit they are when they play this an Orlando team that now is not going to have Kaká because of a very questionable red card. So things are starting to turn around for FC Dallas. You got you got to say. Yeah, uh, Real Salt Lake. They played Orlando City to a draw. A um, couple things in this match, Kaká that was a red card. I know lots of people going back and forth on that one. What? You're yes, crazy. it was a red card. And the other You're thing, drunk. and the other thing, Real Salt Lake at home, is up a man against a shorthanded Orlando side. In the Western Conference, Real Salt Lake cannot drop points. This is a game Real Salt Lake should have been able to walk away with all three points, scoring a goal in the second half. I mean, missed opportunity for them big time against Orlando. How in the world, how in the world could you possibly say that was a red card? Are you kidding me? Have you watched the replays? Have you watched the slow-mo replays of this incident? Well, dude, that's the thing. We don't have that opportunity to watch in slow-mo. You got to go off the fast motion. And, dude, just look at Kaka. You could see, like, he was on a mission to, like, oh, yes, see, he was. Now you're trying to read his no, mind. No, I'm, I'm not trying to read his mind, but you just read his it's, body motions. No. He, he, dude, no, he looked like some, Dude, I've seen that look before. Oh, not from him. The guy's got the cleanest track record okay, but in the game. People are allowed to snap. It happens. He did not snap. That's the whole point. If you watch the replay properly and not with your Claritin Cobalt colored glasses. That's so reckless. Was, I'm not even a Lake fan. He went in hard. He hit him. Foul. Fine. It's a foul. Then he fell over. He steps on the ball. When you watch the replay, he steps on the ball, and that t- takes him off balance. And he had, and he has, he has trouble avoiding Javier Morales. He did not intentionally step on him. Never, ever, ever intentional at all. Anyone who thinks that was intentional is out of their minds because the evidence is there. It should not have been a red card. Will it be overturned? Eh, probably not because it's MLS. But it, it was, it was not a deserving red. And I agree with you though, RSL. If you're up a man for an entire half for at 45 home. minutes. At home, you got to win. You got to get all three points. There's no excuses, none. Uh, but they didn't get it done. And credit to Orlando, man. Orlando banned down the hatches, and they got out of there with a point. And if you're Adrian Heath, you got to feel pretty good about it. As yep. angry as you are at the bogus red card, you're pretty. You're feeling pretty good about your team coming out of there with a point. Hopefully for Orlando, though, God, does not get suspended. Missing him for a couple games would uh, would not be well, good. Well, it's a one game. It, I mean, look, they're not adding I'm, more. I, I know. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just saying. To. If no, they should overturn the red, and he should not have to sit out the next match. That would be justice, but it's MLS. You never know. Houston Dynamo, Chicago Fire. They ended in a uh, in a one one draw, which uh, I think you and I both thought this game was going to end in a draw, just based off just how both these teams are just ex- the forwards are struggling. No one's scoring goals for any of these teams. They they need to figure something out pretty soon. I think we agreed this was going to be a draw, and I think we agreed this was going to be an ugly game, and I think it pretty much lived up to that. Uh, I think the most interesting aspect, the, the most interesting development from this game is the fact that Brad Davis was in the starting lineup. So, yes, pretty healthy for a guy who just got taken off the Gold Cup roster for an injury. So, uh, I thought that was interesting. But anyway, um, yeah, no. Are you was, are you implying something, Ivis? Because hey, I'll, hey, anyone who listened to the last episode can remember me making a comment. But anyway, 
Um, there were some good saves in this game. I think Tally Hall stepped up and made some big saves. And if you're Chicago, you're definitely not happy with the referee because the uh, Cochise goal in the fourth minute, uh, you know, he, he hit it off of a ship corner kick, absolutely crossed the line. It went over the line. Where is the goal line technology? This is absurd. It was a goal. The fire are, are, are right if in, in, in any anger they have because they were cheated out of a goal. Um, Colorado Rapids defeated the Vancouver Whitecaps 2-1. to I think we also talked about this one being a trap uh, game yep. for Vancouver against Colorado struggling. It's like, look, they're MLS. due for a victory. But the, I'll say the one thing. Colorado scored early. Vancouver was able to equalize. But then after that, I mean, Colorado did a very good job controlling the majority of the second half. They got the goal, and then they controlled a little bit more. I mean, look, it was a, it was a gr- good performance from Colorado. Hey. It's not easy playing in altitude. It's not easy for the visiting teams to go there. And when Colorado plays well, they're going to win because it's just it's just really tough for teams to go there. Uh, and obviously they have some new players now, Solignac and then Kevin Doyle. Obviously he, you bring him in, you want him to be your goal-scoring machine. If you're going to have any hope of getting into the playoff conversation, you need Kevin Doyle to be a beast. And he, you know, he produced. He got that first goal. Hopefully for them, it's the step in the right direction for them. I'm not getting too crazy just yet to say that the Rapids are going to climb their way out of the hole in the in the West. But, uh, you know, if you're a Rapids fan, there's some things to be happy about. Playoffs? Jeez. Playoffs? Dropping what playoffs. You, what are you, Jim Mora? You... <laughs> yes, I'm uh, Jim Mora. All right. Enough Major League Soccer. Time to talk U.S. Men's National Team. On Friday, they defeated Guatemala 4-0. to in their final early prep-up game for the upcoming Gold Cup, which kicks off on Tuesday. If you just look at the box score, you think to yourself, 4-0, great. U.S. dominated. They took care of business. Got to look a little bit closer. It was a good result, but I think from this game, there are some things, Ivis, that Jurgen Klinsmann in this team needs to work on going forward as they enter the Gold Cup on Tuesday. No doubt about it. I mean, I think the the scoreline's a little flattering in terms of what the game looked like and what the game was and the sharpness of the performance for the u.s it was a sloppy game it really was it was a sloppy game for the u.s uh you know they 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 let some chances go i mean guatemala there were some chances guatemala should have absolutely scored Mm -hmm. i mean they should have had at least two goals in this game and that most most teams score at least two against the u.s with the chances that guatemala was gifted and um uh, not not to totally crap on a team that just won 4-0 but the u.s did have some positive things to look at obviously michael bradley once again stepping up uh, the performance of some of their guys off the bench, especially because the first half, let's face it, the first half was pretty, pretty lackluster. But once you saw the reserve, the the the, the, the substitutes come in, mm-hmm. Jossie's artist, man, the guy continues to impress and improve and mature as an international player. And I tell you, right now, the guy is looking like he's ready to start. And, he uh, should be starting. Grant, yeah. dude, Graham Zuzzi, and I and I hate to say this because they're about there's a two to three year period where we can all agree. That Graham Zuzzi was one of the most important players to this U.S. men's national team. But after the play of Zardis in this game, and over just his overall performances that we've seen of him, dude, you have to have him in the starting lineup. Graham Zuzzi, thank you. It's your time is done. It's now Zardis' time. He needs to be. St- <laughs> I'm sorry, and I, I'm, I'm, I know that's really mean to man. say, but it's true, man. It's, it's true. No, nice. it's. I mean, dude, Graham oh, Zuzzi is still no. Graham Zuzzi is still a quality player who can contribute for this for this team. But Zardis is brings so much more quality to the final third, um, so, so much more just dynamic attacking from him, smarter runs, uh, speed of play, and he just brings so much more that what Jurgen Klinsmann's looking for out of his players. I think. Hey, look, first of all, okay, I'm not going to argue about about Zuzi. 
not not being as sharp as he has been as he needs to be. And this look, this is his first game in a while for the U.S. Let's not forget that. I know, I know. So it's a little, but, you know, it's a I, lot I know, to but, jump on this whole thing that he's washed up now. I'm not. I'm not. His, that's not what I'm saying. You're, you're I, putting I, him out of pasture. You're about to I, break the I, shotgun I ne- out. Stop it. Like, no, 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 no. I never said he's washed up. I just said that Zardis has a lot more potential right now, and you need to give him those minutes. That's not what you said, but that's what you're saying now. That's okay. what I. That's okay. That. That's I, I, that's that's one. That's my summary. <laughs> that's the, you should have led with that rather than the Graham Zussi is a has been. I, anyway. didn't, I did not say that. <laughs> okay, look. I uh, said it was his time hey, is done. Anyone, anyone who watched this game when they saw the difference between Zussi and and, and Zardis, I mean, it, it was dramatic. I mean, it, Zardis, his his speed. Uh, just the physical qualities he brings and the increasing understanding about where to be on the field. I mean, he's still learning. He's still a work in progress. He's still raw. His finishing is still needs work. There's no question. I mean, he's got a ways to go. However, he's, his starting points are and his growing confidence put him in a position now where, yeah, you can say that you should put him ahead of Graham, Graham Zussi. Graham Zussi when he's at his best, is giving you excellent service. He's getting up and down the field, giving giving you a good two way option on the wing. And he hasn't he didn't look quite dy- that dynamic. And it's only one game. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw dirt on the grave just yet. But I agree that Zardis, by what we've seen now for a good stretch of games, I think he's shown enough now to be your starter in the opening match of the Gold Cup, and then see what he does from there. Let's see if he builds from there. Because, you know, Zardes is already – I mean, he showed against Panama in, in in the winter that he can compete pretty well against CONCACAF level of competition, and I don't think there's any reason he can't do that now. Um, your boy, Timmy Chandler, dude, how ridiculous was that goal? I think you had the tweet of the game when you said that when – before Timmy Chandler, you're probably wondering why Jurgen Klinsman has him in the game, but then he scores the goal – and then all of a sudden you're like, yes, thank you, Jurgen, for not taking him out. I mean, just what a wonderful goal from him. His first professional goal. Um, and definitely for him, his overall performance, I mean, a tale of two different halves. First half, all of a sudden you're scratching your head saying, oh, my gosh, here we go. Second half, though, a little more encouraging from him. Yeah, no, I mean, I would say the first 30 to 35 minutes, there were some nervy moments. There was some sloppiness, some lack of sharpness. He had a couple of turnovers that just left you scratching your head. He had one in particular about 40 yards from goal where he just kind of lollygagging with the ball at his feet in the middle of the park, gets stripped, leads to a counter. I mean, that's the kind of stuff he needs to get out of his game, but just little things. And and, and it could be a little bit of of nitpicking with the guy, but to, I will give him the credit from about the 40th minute on, he, he stepped it up. And definitely after halftime, he stepped it up. He cut out the mistakes. And then the goal, I mean, he scored an absolute beauty. And you can understand why Klinsman wants him to be in his lineup because anyone who has watched Bundesliga action and watched Chandler in the Bundesliga knows that the guy can play right back at a pretty high level. He hasn't done it for the U.S. for whatever reason. He hasn't been able to translate that over. But I think now in the Germany game and now in the second half of this game, I think we've started to see some more from him. He still has his bad patches. Uh, and I think, and I would argue in the first half of both those games or – in part of the Germany game, he, he had shaky moments. I thought he, he got caught napping on the goal, uh, on the Germany goal. But I think we saw in the second half what he can do, what he can bring to the table, and why Klinsman still has confidence in him. And we've seen it before, man. Klinsman, 
will believe in somebody and keep giving chances to somebody that a lot of people don't think should still get them. And then what do you know? The guy rewards Klinsman. We saw it with Bobby Wood. And then maybe now we see it with Chandler because it, mm-hmm. it's looking for all the world like Chandler's going to be your starting right back in his goal cup. And one other thing that we did see in this game was um, DeAndre Yedlin playing higher up the pitch. Should not come as a surprise. Jurgen Klinsmann has done this in the past with with him. Um, and look, and let's be real. I mean, it, it's it's really easy to get caught up with Yedlin's speed and say, oh my gosh, look how great this guy is out there. I mean, look, he, he still has some things he needs to work on. He needs to learn still how to create space for himself, how to take it to the touchline. He has a lot of things he needs to work. But, Ivis, I mean, Yedlin continues to show promise playing higher up the pitch um, and just for a guy like him, I mean, just his rise over the, just like we talked about over the last two years, I mean, just he just continues to improve every time you see him. Did you say pitch? What are you, English? Yes. Come on. Did I say pitch? <laughs> okay, Brad Friedel. Um, no, but um, yeah, no, I, it, it, I, I saw some good things from him. And let's not forget now, he didn't get an assist, he didn't get an official assist, but it was his nice cross that led to that own, that own goal yep. header <laughs> by Guatemala. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I liked what I saw from him. And if you look, if you consider the fact that Alejandro Bedoya is not 100%, right? He, he was injured. He's coming back from that. He's not 100%. Uh, his fitness needs, he needs to get back to his full fitness. If Bedoya isn't available to be your starter at the beginning of this tournament in the group stages, uh, you know, you're looking at the, the wide options. There's not a ton. And Yedlin right now is playing with confidence. And I, we, we saw it in the games in Europe in June. Uh, him coming off the bench, playing with a real confidence, like a real fearlessness. And I know a lot of people were worried when he went to Tottenham. He didn't get any playing time. He got like a sniff. He got like one, you know, a couple minutes, not much at all. But but even though he didn't get a ton of minutes, he has clearly gained some confidence from his time over there. Uh, and we've seen it in these games. So for me, a confident Yedlin who is starting to show improvements in, in a lot of ways, improvements with his ability on the ball, his confidence on the ball, his crossing. Uh, he's had some pretty good crosses that, you know, look a little sharper. So he, little by little, he's showing improvement. And if they, if Tottenham can find a loan for him, you know, obviously there's a lot of rumors about potential loans for him in the fall. If he can get a loan that gets him some playing time, I mean, he's looking pretty good. And for the Gold Cup, I think he's absolutely an option to start in the midfield on the right wing. Um, one of the areas that, that I did pay attention to was um, the pairing between Josie Atador and Clint Dempsey. I mean, you could definitely say that Clint Dempsey um, was a little rusty. He disappeared for large portions of the match. So I'll give him that, but he did have some moments. But um, Josie Atador, I mean, could really not get involved in, in this game at all. I mean, the U.S. is going to need Josie Atador and Clint Dempsey to find a way to work together and contribute to this team if the team is going to go on to win the goal to win the gold cup well that, that, that goes without saying and I, I don't know how much i would put into this game as a as necessarily a a great a great uh, foreshadowing of what we'll see in the actual tournament i mean for one thing i would say it looked like the field was not not in the best condition for a possession game and for uh sharp passing to be to be on display in this game and, and not to make too many excuses but i thought dempsey showed me more than altador i thought dempsey got yeah. more involved particularly in the second half i thought he got more involved and I just think Altidore, you know, I don't know. But so my theory on the Altidore thing is he looked a little kind of out of it. He obviously did draw a penalty. He missed the penalty. But I almost felt like maybe he was trying to save himself. I mean, we're talking about a guy now. Let's not forget. He got hurt in the first game of the World Cup, right? Tore his hamstring. He got hurt in the 2011 Gold Cup. Tore his hamstring uh, in the quarterfinals. So if you're him and you're thinking, man, I got to be healthy for this tournament, 
you can understand if he didn't necessarily kill himself in this game. And if that's the if that's the case, you can kind of see him struggling to make his mark in this game. Um, I think we're going to see more from him. I think once the games get more important, and, and now once we get to this actual Gold Cup itself, I think he's going to step up. I, I really, I really believe that. Well, for the U.S., they kick off the Gold Cup on Tuesday in Dallas against Honduras. Um, and I just lots on the line for the U.S. You want to win your regional tournament. You also want to win this to go to the Confederations Cup. But you're still going to have some tough teams. I mean, Costa Rica coming off the successful World Cup in Brazil. Mexico without Chicharito still going to be a good team regardless. Um, I mean, I just, other than the U.S., I mean, who are going to be the, some of the stronger teams in this Gold Cup tournament? Well, I think everybody obviously knows Mexico will be there. Uh, they're a team that you still kind of have to project to be in the final, even though they lost their best defender to an injury, Hector Moreno, and they just lost Chicharito to a broken collarbone. Uh, the big forward for them, but they're still going to be there. They still have tons of talent. Hector Herrera, Gio De Santos, uh, Andres Guardado. I mean, they, the list goes on. They've got quite a bit of talent. The question for me is how will the lack of the depth that they lost to the Copa America, because they obviously had to field pretty much a, a whole other team that they sent to, to Copa America, uh, that is going to cost them depth. And you wonder how that's going to affect them, especially now that they've lost two key players in the run-up to the Gold Cup, uh, Miguel Herrera is going to feel it. He's going to feel it because he's going to turn to his bench and he's going to not have the quality that he would have had last year at the goal, at the World Cup and and the quality that he would have had if not for Copa America. So that could end up biting them. That could, coming back, that could come back to bite them. Costa Rica, as we all know, they were outstanding in the World Cup, mm-hmm. got to the quarterfinals. Uh, but they're, they're, they're playing for a new coach now. They're missing Keylor Navas, who's out, the, the star Real Madrid goalkeeper. Um, but they're still good, man. They're still, you got to say, they're the third choice. Um, they would have been my dark horse. I mean, I think if Navas was still healthy, I, I think, you know, you could definitely make a case for them. Could they, I mean, you're still good. I mean, if uh, the, the tough part for them is, you know, they probably play the U.S. in the semis the way the tournament's laid out. It, it's a little unfortunate because, you know, in theory, the U.S. should be the top seed in this tournament. But for whatever the case is, we could see Costa Rica, USA in the semis. Um, as far as the other, other teams, I think Panama, that group, that same group that they've had together since 07, uh, is, is you know, you figure they're in for one last go-around. A lot of the same players are, are still there. Jami Pinedo, Roman Torres, uh, Blas Perez, Gabriel Gomez. Um, so, so that group, they have experience. They've played together. Um, they don't have Felipe Valoy. He's not playing in this tournament. Um, that's I think that's a big loss for them. He was a big leader for them defensively for so many years, uh, but I think they have enough talent that they're gonna they're gonna be a handful. They're gonna be a handful in this group. I think for me they're probably the second choice out of this group with the U.S.'s group, and you know they're gonna get up for the U.S. Um, because they seem to play every single Gold Cup at least once. So that game is gonna be something special uh, in Kansas City next week, and then Honduras. Honduras is coached by the same coach who led Costa Rica to the quarterfinals of the World Cup, Jorge Luis Pinto, uh, the Colombian. And we all know the job that Pinto did with Costa Rica, got them to the quarterfinals, got them out of a group that most people wouldn't have even thought they could get a, a win in. And not only did they win, get a win, they won the group, a group that featured Italy, England, and Uruguay. I mean, talk about a group of death. And Costa Rica not only survived, they won it. And now he has a Honduras team that, to be fair, not nearly as talented as that Costa Rica team. But Pinto is an organizer. He's a guy that 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 stresses defensive discipline. And he will have this Honduras team very well organized, and they're going to be a handful. They're going to be tough to break down. 
Uh, and I'm very interested to see how they how they how he lines them up. I mean, some of his roster decisions were a little you know a little surprising. I mean, Roger Espinosa, for example, I don't know if there was an injury there, why he's not on his team. That was a little surprising. Luis Garrido, another another MLS based midfielder, did not make the team. Um, but we'll see what he does. We'll see what Gomez does. But for me, those are the teams. I think that if there's going to be kind of a team that emerges as a surprise, it's going to be it's going to be one of the teams in the U.S. group. Honduras or Panama, and then one last one, Canada. Yeah, let's see. What about what about Canada? I mean, know, they the, they could be a surprise this year. We say I feel like I say that every goal. No, but I think like, this year could be different though. You have a lot of guys. You know, but, you know, but the, okay. The, here's what I'm thinking. You have you know like Russell Russell Tiber, uh, Jonathan Osorio. I'm just two guys for example, right? They were part of the 2013 Gold Cup. They had that experience under their belt. You're bringing in Kyle Lahren, who's playing pretty well for Orlando City. They have Tesho Akindeli. I, I mean, I don't get ahead of myself, but you just wonder if some of that experience with some of these guys, if these guys are coming in with a lot of confidence. I don't know, man. It could work out for Canada's favor. I feel like I feel like this is we've been talking about this since '07 when we remember they lost to the U.S. in the semifinals in controversial fashion. At least that's how Canadians remember it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean they got some they got some intriguing talent. They got some young talent. Um, obviously, they're looking ahead to trying to qualify for that next World Cup. And Kyle Aaron, I mean, he's a guy who, as young as he is, I mean, he I mean what, he's 20 years old. And he's tearing it up for Orlando City. He's definitely going to be one to watch. Uh, and I, and I want to see so, how some of these younger guys fit in into uh, into the plans here. When you talk about a guy like Kyle Becker, uh, Jonathan Osorio, who's, you know, he, he's done well in MLS. Um, Maxim Tissot, the Montreal uh, fullback slash midfielder. So, I mean, they, they got some interesting young talent on this team. Maybe, I don't know. I, I, I don't, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. But... I always I tell you what I I have been waiting for Canada to put a good team out since that 07 team. That 07 team was good. That that 07 team uh, was a very good team, and they haven't had a team like that since then. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have it yet in this Gold Cup, but maybe in two more years at the next Gold Cup when these some of these younger guys like Laren mature a bit more. So I, I think for me, I think maybe they're still one Gold Cup away from being a real threat. Well, as we mentioned before, USA uh, they take on. Honduras on Tuesday um, for Jurgen Klinsmann and company. I'm, I'm assuming Ivis will probably see maybe pretty close, maybe 99% close to the lineup that we saw um, against Guatemala. Maybe we'll see Zardis in there over Zuzi, but um, I mean, we shouldn't see any major wholesale changes to this U.S. lineup on Tuesday. No, I think we're going to see Kyle Beckerman in for mixed screwed. I think that's yep. one. Oh yeah, that's one. Yep. And then, uh, and then I think Zardis. So I think those are the two changes that stand out for me. I think if Bedoya were healthy, he'd be an obvious one in for, for Yedlin. But uh, listening to Klinsman's comments after the game, it sounds at least that he's not quite ready to, to, to be a starter. So if that's the case, then, yeah, I think it's going to be the same lineup that we saw. And it's a promising one, man. I th- you look, we didn't talk about it in the, in the rundown of the Guatemala game, but Fabian Johnson at left back is a force. Yes, uh, with his ability to get forward in the attack, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he only played 45 minutes, but in those 45 minutes, he made some runs that were beautiful down the left. And if they can take advantage of that, if you put him in that dyna- dy- dynamism on the left along with Zardis together, let's face it, we didn't see them partner together in that match. Um, and maybe that's by design. Uh, but once you put those two together, it could be it could be a lot for Honduras to, de- uh, to have to deal with. So I think that's going to be something to watch. And uh, and I think the midfield with Kyle Beckerman. His ability to control things in the middle, 
against the Honduras team that you know they're there's they're a bit of a work in progress under their new uh, under their coach Jose, Jose, Jorge Luis Pinto is still trying to sort things out with his kind of preferred midfield combination and like, as we said before you know they're missing some guys that they chose not to call in but they still have hey Andy Nahar still there Bonilla Garcia still there Mario Martinez the former Seattle Sounders player still there uh, Jorge Claros, the former Sporting KC player. So they're mid, they, they've got quite a few options in midfield. Their midfield is going to be pretty solid. Um, but I want to see how that Honduras defense holds up against an attack that will have Dempsey, Altidore, Zardes, and Michael Bradley. And I have a side, we'll recap the Honduras-USA game on the next SBI show. Also, if you're looking to rep the U.S. men's national team throughout the world, I mean, throughout the Gold Cup, excuse me, um, and you need a jersey, you need a scarf, you need a t-shirt, you need anything, you can go to SoccerLoco.com. You get 10% off your entire order when you enter SBI10 at the cart. Great opportunity for you to get that jersey if the U.S. is coming to your town. You want to rep them, remember SoccerLoco.com, 10% off your entire order if you enter SBI10 at the cart window. I was time to talk a little NASL. The fall season has started this past weekend. I know it's summer, but they divide it between two, so it's the fall season um, right now and headed into it. I mean, what what should we see? What should we expect? Um, some already big results in the first week of the fall season of the NASL. Uh, give us the rundown of what we should expect out of the season for them. Well, I'd say it's interesting. The NASL obviously continues to grow, uh, continues to get better and stronger. And uh, what's interesting about this, the, the whole NASL setup with the two seasons and the winner and the champions of each season playing each other in the in the in the soccer bowl and their 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 final championship, you have the Cosmos who finished undefeated in the spring. They won the spring title. They have a ticket to the to the final to the soccer bowl uh, to the to the championship game. And now they have the dynamic of going into this fall season. You don't want to say they have nothing to play for, but they're kind of – it's not the same motivation. And we've seen uh, the last couple of times now that the spring champion has struggled to find that same form in the next round. So uh, that's where I'm curious to see how Gio, um, Gio Savarese uh, can keep this group together and keep them playing at a high level. And obviously they played their first match uh, at home. They they had their home opener, uh, Raul Bobblehead Night. Uh, they played Indiana and Indy uh, 11. The Indy 11 got got a point, one one draw, uh, and it's the kind of kind of match where obviously Indy is going to feel great about getting a point on the road in New York. But you wonder is this are we is this going to kind of be a sign of the Cosmos struggling to 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 play at that same level they played at in the spring? And you almost can't blame them because hey, they've already got a ticket to the dance. And some other results: the Carolina Railhawks defeated Minnesota United, and uh, and for Minnesota, Ivis, I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see how things play out for them over the uh, the fall season here. Right? No, I mean they're a team that uh, now credit to Carolina, right? They got the big win to open things up. But when you want to talk about Minnesota, a team that's trying to lock up expansion in in uh, into MLS, there's obviously a lot of issues with the stadium situation there. But the big question mark going into the fall season for them is how will they cope with the loss of Miguel Ibarra, who they have sold to Club Leon? Um, he's their, he was their best player, and now they have to replace him. And from my from my understanding is they are planning to uh, to make a, a pretty good signing uh, at some point. I don't think they've done it yet, but it's pretty clear now with this opening loss makes you wonder just how big of an impact uh, Ibarra's loss is going to be on a team that. 
you know, by all accounts, is usually a force in this league. And and not only did they lose him, they also parted ways with Johnny Steele. So they're a team in a bit of transition. So you want to see what happens there, what Monty Lagos does, what tricks he has up his sleeve. And look, Monty Lagos is one of the sharpest minds in this league, if not all American soccer. So we'll see what he can do to get them back on the winning track. And the Tampa Bay Rowdies defeated Atlanta 2-1. to And for Tampa Bay, they were one point off of winning the spring season. They finished second behind the New York Cosmos. Uh, and good start for them here at the beginning of the fall season. No, no question. And, and when you look at, uh, as we talked about with the Cosmos and the fact that they already won the spring season and maybe they won't have the same sense of urgency going into the fall, you have to pick the, the Rowdies to be the favorites coming into this fall season. Uh, I think uh, Thomas Rangan... Did a great job uh, in in the first in his in the spring campaign. I mean, they only lost one match uh, in that whole campaign, and now they've started off with a win, and albeit against the Atlanta team that is hurting in a big way. I mean, Atlanta finished in last place in the fall in the spring, and and they clearly need to make some additions to that team. They need some reinforcements. Gary Smith's squad is uh, it, it's it's in a world of hurt right now. And uh, but if you're Tampa Bay, you're feeling good. You're off to the win. You got your three points, and and like I said, I think for me, they're the favorites to win the to win the fall season. All right, some other results: Edmonton all over San Antonio four to zero, and Ottawa defeated Jacksonville by a score of two to zero. Big weekend for Canada, right there. <laughs> well, at least in NASL, as opposed yeah. to <laughs> MLS, not so much, not so much MLS. And the Copa America final was played on Saturday, and Chile defeated Argentina on penalties. I think you and I both had Argentina going into this match. Um, but what a result for them, not just to win, but to win it on your home soil, defeat Argentina. Um, it just seemed like Chile was destined to win this, Ivis. There was nothing that could have stopped them. Ah, it was a close game, man. It was a toss-up. Credit to Chile. I mean, their defense was so tough. They were so organized. They really made it a battle, uh, didn't make anything easy for Argentina. And, you know, once again, heartbreak for Lionel Messi and Javier Mascherano. I mean, it, for Mascherano, we're talking about his fourth final, his third Copa final, but counting last year's World Cup, uh, four finals losses for him and for Messi, another loss. But first, let's talk about Chile. Uh, great tournament for them. Uh, you know, I, I mean, for me, I would argue that I thought Argentina was a bit of the better team. Uh, but not by much. I mean, credit to Chile. They, especially toward the end, I feel like they got stronger toward the end. They closed the game out in a in, in a strong way. But Argentina had their chances, man. Right at the end, Gonzalo Higuain has a ball coming his way. I know it was a tight angle, but he could have either put it, tried to put it on frame, or cut it back to somebody. He hits he hits it in the side netting, and 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 you just felt like that was the the chance wasted right there when he when he didn't convert that. You kind of felt like, oh, Chile's gonna, Chile's gonna do it. And the one thing I do want to say about this is, I already, you already hear, you already read comments about Messi and what this means for his legacy, and he's not a big game player. And I'm like, give me a break. The guy cannot do it by himself. And I've watched, you've watched these games, you've watched these finals, and he tries to make things happen, but you can't. He can't do it on his own. Opposing defense are opposing defenses are smart enough to know he's the biggest threat on the team. They 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 lock him in. They put multiple bodies around him. Other players need to step up and make plays, and they did not do it. And that's another final when his teammates, for me, let him down. I mean, what, where was Sergio Aguero? Where was um, Gonzalo Higuain? Where was Ezekiel Lavezzi? Uh, I thought Angel Di Maria was playing really well in the tournament and playing well in this game before he got hurt. 
that was obviously a big loss for them. But before anyone goes and talks about what Messi didn't do, let's talk about what uh, what the other players on the team didn't do. And for me, I think it's a little misguided for those who try to use this loss to once again paint Messi as if it's his fault because it's not. It's no, not. But his it's not. Fault. But but it's but he's the star of the team, though. Uh, right. And that, no, but I, and that's but what's going to happen. Uh, yeah, but I just think it's it's you know it's just funny when people try to compare legacies and compare greatness and, and talk about a Maradona and talk about a Pelé. I mean, these guys had great players around them as well and players who stepped up and played well. When Maradona was winning the World Cup, you know, he made some unbelievable plays. No question about it, but he did have a team with him uh, that was pretty good. And we and we all know about all the stars that Pelé played with. So, you know, any before anyone goes and tries to chalk this up as an example of Messi not being great, you're out of your mind. The guy is a truly special player. The best player of this generation. Oh, I mean, I think Ibrahimovic is the best player of this generation, Ivis. But what do you, my son? Yeah, you and my eleven-year-old <laughs> son think that. Um, look, it, it's it's for Argentina. You, you I mean you still have to learn how to win, and and being in these finals, Ivis. Uh, I mean, losing the World Cup and losing now Copa America. I mean, you just have to hope for them that they can learn from these mistakes. And and yeah, you're right. I mean, other players are going to have to step up. But I mean, it's unfortunate that everyone puts it on Messi. I mean. He has a success with Barcelona, so I mean that proves it. He's a big game player there. I mean, it's not like it's a it's it's, it's a cruel fate because if you look at these games, right? I mean, last year's World Cup. I mean, did we forget it went to extra time? I mean, this was an. I mean, this was a game that could was not decided in the regulation. So that's how close that World Cup final was. And now this Copa America, it comes down to penalties. And who makes the penalty for Argentina? Messi makes the penalty for Argentina, and everyone else missed. So I mean, how like it just drives me nuts, and not to, you know, not to pile on the Iguain too much, but let's not forget now. Last year's World Cup, he missed the golden chance. Uh, he missed the golden chance. If he scores that, Argentina could very well have won that game, and they could be sitting on a gold cup title, a World Cup title. And, but everyone wants to talk about Messi. So I mean, I, I don't know, man. I just think it's so it, it's it's unfortunate. I actually feel worse for Mascherano, because I mean, this was his third Copa America final. That he's had to, you know, that he's suffered a loss in, and the scene of him walking past the trophy, uh, and him looking at the trophy, the look on his face—it was just like, I mean, he's a talking about a warrior, man. I mean, in this game, in this game, there aren't many who, who have who have this big a heart as him, and who play with a passion and a quality as Mascherano, and and I think it's kind of it's sad, it's unfortunate that he has not, you know, people talk about Messi, but I feel like it's almost. It's almost worse, or it's it's almost even sadder uh, that Mascherano hasn't been able to win uh, a title. So you know what? We'll see. We'll see if if next year's Copa America happens, the Copa America Centenario. If that happens, I, you got to think Argentina will will have to go into that tournament the favorites. Argentina, man, always the bridesmaid, never the bride, Ivis. Except for the two times they won the World Cup. Yeah, but come on, that's old. That's 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 old, man. <laughs> But we're talking. I mean, why you always got to bring up old stuff on this show? Oh, I forgot anything that happened before you were born. Wait, when were you born? When was I born? Yeah, uh, nineteen ninety-two. Yeah, I guess anything that happened before you were born, I guess, doesn't count. So. Wait, really? You know, it was, it was I was born in nineteen eighty-seven. So I'm not that young. Well, that's still that's still. I mean, eighty-six was. was you believe the ninety-two? This is, now I know you're tired. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> you believe him? That I'm was born in 92? Math. It's four. It's That's what I'm saying. Now I, now I know you're tired. It's 3.30 in Texas where I am. Where are you staying, by the way? And it's 4.30 in my body, which I'm still on Jersey time. Where are, you, where are you staying, by the way? Are you staying by the stadium? No, no. I mean, no. 
I'm staying south of there. I'm uh, in the Galleria area of Dallas. So a quick drive up. So hopefully I wake up in time for this practice session in the morning. Don't worry, man. It starts when you show up. You should know that by now. <laughs> if only that were I want to say something. Ivis is notorious for always being a few minutes late and it's it to US training sessions and it, it's amazing. Like it like you show up and it starts within seconds after that. It's it's like a conspiracy. It's thing. not a US thing. It's actually and I don't want to jinx I don't want to like ruin it, my own. It's amazing. It's amazing. Scheduling. But yes, this is a, a bit of a phenomenon that uh even when I'm late, I'm not late. And it just <laughs> works out that way. My theory is I have a guardian angel who takes care of me. This actually happened on the flight to Dallas because I was running late because he had the US women's game on. I didn't and I got caught up in watching that. So I, I I get to the airport. I'm I'm I swear I'm gonna miss my flight because I get there, the security line is long, and then like finally I just start just like started asking people to let me go, and like I went through, and then just there just so happened to be a cart there, like you know one of those like the, the the people who drive people, and he could tell I was like in a hurry, so he let me get in the cart and boom drove me all the way to the gate, got to the gate and got there just in time, and it just works out that way, and I'm lucky. I'll count my blessings. I have a guardian angel. That takes it's care amazing. Of me. Did you say? But, uh, did you say? Excuse me, I'm Ivis Galarsep. I need to be on this flight. <laughs> yeah, that works out for me. I, I, you I sh- you say should the, try that. Listen, the most absurd one. The, uh, this is this happens a lot, and, and and I'm sure I'm going to lose my powers now because I've mentioned it publicly. But the most absurd example of this happened back when uh, I think they had. Uh, I forget what it was that the, the Cosmos were announcing. But Paley was speaking, right? He was speaking at this press conference in Manhattan. And I hate going into Manhattan, right? Uh, although I like it more now. I'm getting, I'm getting back into going to New York a lot more often now. But I was literally, I want to say an hour late. I was an hour late and I didn't miss it. I got like Because <laughs> Paley was also late. So it just works out that way. So It's, a, it's amazing. I count my blessings. It's amazing hanging out with you. I get so stressed, and you're like, "It's good, man. We'll make it." <laughs> oh, you, you, you should, you should see my wife, man. My wife, my wife goes nuts. She's, she's all like, "We're gonna be, we're gonna be." Late. I'm like, "Calm down. It's gonna be fine." And, uh, <laughs> but then it's not a good thing because in other, like, like Franco, for example. I mean, I travel with Franco a lot. Franco Panizo, SBI writer, and uh, he's kind of gotten used to that. He's gotten used to the fact that we, even when we're late, we're gonna find a way to make it. And I'm sure I'm jinxing myself. I'm gonna probably miss everything tomorrow. But uh, but then but then he starts thinking he could be late, and it's like no man, the powers don't necessarily work for you, like so don't take it for granted. No, poor Franco. He, but it is he just uh, wants to be you so bad, Ivis. Ah, stop it. Uh, but yeah, I count myself lucky. I have a guardian angel that watches over me. You're ridiculous. All right, man. <laughs> it's it's amazing to me hanging out with you. It's just it's. I'm gonna be late for your wedding. Let's just I'm just letting you know right now. My wedding will start on time. All right. Well, we'll see. Because my fiance is. She's too punctual. <laughs> is that right? Yes, it's annoying. Uh, we're, we're early to everything. Who the hell is early to things? Not me. I wish. I wish I could be early. Like man. I'm, I'm, I'm cool, dude. Like I can't be on time. I gotta be late. You know, like you, you're just late because I mean, you're late. You know. I don't mean to do it. I mean, I would love to get to the airport like on time. Why? I don't know. I would love to not have like. I don't know what it is, man. See, I like getting to the airport early because I like to. Uh, Put back a few brewskis before I flight. You. I don't know what it is, man. Uh, I, That's one what of you these need days. to do. View it as you need to get to the airport to have, have a few drinks. That way, it force you to get there early. Eh, I don't know. I did. Oh, I drank before I went to the airport this time. So. <laughs> it was Sunday. I was enjoying some brewskis. Good for you. Good for you, Ivis. Uh, all right, man. We need to wrap up today's show. 
I need to let you go. That's it. Uh, but before we go, I got to say, so yes, I am in Texas. I am in Frisco. I feel like this is the first time I've been here in about nine years uh, or whenever the last time. Frisco's bumping, dude. It's, it's, it's like the nightlife there is ridiculous, Iris. I know you're kidding. But uh, yeah, no, I was actually here when they opened the stadium. And, uh, and then I was here for the two MLS Cups that they hosted. Uh, but yeah, man, that's been like nine years. But I'm looking forward to looking to, looking forward to going back. And uh, I know we've got some fans out here and some some SBI. Sh- at least one of our top SBI show listeners, I believe, is in the area. So I'm gonna have to try to meet up with him. Ch- go check out the AO party the night before party uh, in I believe it's in Frisco. Um, but yeah, no, I'll be there. So hopefully, uh, if you're listening to the show and you're planning to be at that party, definitely say hi. And do not buy me a Cosmo. Uh... <laughs> Someone's gonna do it. Someone's yeah, gonna. Do it. Hopefully, they will. And the game will be packed on Tuesday. It will be a, uh, will be sellout at Frisco Stadium. It's gonna be hot and it's gonna be packed. It's gonna be hot. I can tell you, it's supposed to be like mid nineties this week. It's gonna be nuts down here. Gross. It's gonna be hot and, and it's humid. humid. Ugh. Miserable. But you know what? It's gonna be a good game. That's just, uh, that just sounds horrible. Um, it's not going to be a beautiful. I would say it right now it's gonna be a good intense game. It's not gonna be a beautiful game. It's not gonna be a three. Three two. I'm gonna say four uh, one. Taka. Nah, man. It's gonna be one zero. It's Ooh. probably gonna be at least one red card. Maybe two zero. Uh, no more than three goals. And there's gonna be at least one red card. I'm gonna call it right now. Who gets the red card? Kyle Beckerman. No, come on, man. Wait, Jason. Brad nah, it'll, probably, it'll, it'll be someone in Honduras. It'll be someone in Honduras. I'm gonna say Omar Gonzalez. Man, you're just trying. What are you doing, man? <laughs> Why are you trying to jinx? Uh... <laughs> It's the anti-jinx Cyrus. You know? Is it, is it, yeah. 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 Mayner, you know what? I'll go Maynard Figueroa, red card. Boom. Mm. Who is apparently unattached. I'm surprised. Someone needs to sign him. He's, he's a pretty decent player. You should sign him to the uh, future SBI team. Yeah, all right. As soon as we get to the point. Yeah. From Sokoloko, so I'm going to order some Yeah, there you go. All right, Iris. Uh, wraps, this wraps, finally wraps up the show. We're ending the show. No, no more no more goofing around, so I'm going to let when you go. When you start sounding like Max Headroom, it's time to wrap up the show. I don't even know what that is. Um, <laughs> You're so young. I love it. I know. All right, Iris. You have a good week. I'll talk to you later, and uh, enjoy your time in Dallas. Will do. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the views, the comments. That is Ivis Glarsup. I am Gary Cleverly. This is the SBI Show.